to make a name of their own. Babel is a symbol of men being at the top instead of God himself. Before we go into prayer, I would like to ask you a question. How many of you heard an ecumenical, uh, ecumenical movement? Okay, fair enough. Um, this is like something about their, one of their services. Religious leaders uh, gathered from a dozen different faiths held an Ash Wednesday service at United Nations Church, Nations Church Center Chapel in New York. The front of the chapel in, included not only a cross, but also emblems for Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist, and Islamic faiths. And the service went on, and this is a lengthy service, and, and of all the services, they never mentioned the name of Jesus. Then they closed the service with a hymn. So this great movement today teaches that there are many ways to heaven uh, other than Jesus Christ. And this movement is influencing our society today. That's the reality of it. Probably your neighbors, your friends, and probably your unknowingly here, your family are influencing this kind of teachings. What's interesting is that they all say that all religions lead to heaven, not just Jesus Christ. You see, men's ways are raised up, right? Men's ways are raised up, while God's ways are rejected. But we shouldn't be surprised by this turn of event because the desire to seek an alternative to God's way was as old as the people back in the book of Genesis. And we will learn from that tonight. A monument of self. Let us all pray first and let's commit this service to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for giving us the opportunity once again, and it seems forever as we look behind us, the, the, the suffering and even the, the struggles that many of us um, experience during COVID. And I know that this time is a transition, if you will. But we thank you for giving us the opportunity. This, once again, we're looking forward to this. And we are here now. And we ask, dear Father, that you would speak into our hearts And help us, dear Lord, to see your goodness and who you are in our life. And Lord, we ask that you would also open our hearts so that we will hear from your word and we would understand it and live through it. And so, Father, build our faith. Build this church. And I ask, dear Father, that you would speak in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. Uh, I'll be reading verses 1 to 9. Very familiar passage to you. And and I know um, most of you, or not all of you, 
read this event already. So Genesis chapter 11, beginning from verse 1 down to verse 9. In verse 1, the Lord of God says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said unto one another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city, and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Now, if you haven't noticed, as you go along in reading the, the book of Genesis, and even just as you go through the series of the events in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, in the Bible, since the fall of men, there are two ways that are constantly opposing with each other. We have the way of God and the way of men. Now, by simply knowing these ways, we know already which way that leads to life or destruction. I mean, it's very obvious, right? Very obvious. But sadly, many people end up on a wrong path. Well, sadly, of course, including Christians. And the passage we have tonight is an example of man's way. Why, why do I say this? Because if you read the passage closely, God is outside of this project, Babel project. But before we dive into the story, I want you to, see, to notice the bigger picture of this event. At a glance, it seems that the author just casually inserted this story in between the life of Noah and the life of Abraham. And just as his readers to know when or where the multiple languages came from. However, if you look closely, it is a contrast. It is a contrast of man's way contradicting God's way. Let me give you an example. In the book of Genesis chapter 4, we are told 
but the word of God that Cain and Abel brought their offerings to God, right? All of us know the story. They, both of them brought their offerings to God. The Bible didn't, uh, didn't tell us what happened before they presented their offerings, but it's only my assumption that they received a command from God. And since Abel obeyed God, which also meant he walked on God's way, the Bible said that the Lord has res- had respect unto Abel and his offerings, but for Cain and his offering, God had no respect. Now, for me, I think Cain was the author of the first man-made religion, something like a communical movement, man-made religion. And God commanded what to do to please him. It's very clear what Abel did. But Cain said, no, I will do it my way. And therefore, he did it. Also, another thing to notice, that those who walk in God's way were altar builders. And those who opposed or rebelled, rebelled against God were city builders like Nimrod, especially in the city, the city of Babel. Now, if you look in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, you don't have to go there, but the Bible says, Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. Now, moving to our passage, Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says that they said, Go to, let us make us a city that, and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So you see, and then we move on to Genesis chapter 12. We see the life of Abraham. And the Bible says, and there builded he, talking to Abraham, an altar unto the Lord. So it's clear that there's a contrast of and showing God's way opposite to man's way. And I hope I am very clear to, to this. Now in Matthew chapter 7, I would like to go there. Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. And the word of God says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. A lot of people choose to walk in wrong paths, and that is a sad decision that a a person can do leads to destruction, a wrong path, man's path, man's way, and only few choose to walk in the good paths of life. And you don't need to be a great theologian to see that in our situation right now. Now let's answer the question, why was the Tower of Babel a monument of self? Because that's our 
title for this evening's message, A Monument of Self. Now first, the Tower of Babel, the reason why it is it was a monument of self. The Tower of Babel was built in a wrong path. And we are, um, I already founded you a, so, a foundation already. It was built in man's way, in a wrong path. And look with me in verses, chap, uh, verses 3 to 4. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we have scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now, one preacher uh, said that, you know, number six, because six times it's mentioned in this passage, the, the passage that, that we have read, six times mentioned about a talking of themselves. Uh, so a preacher said that if the seven number is the number of God, then six is man's number. I don't know if there's, if there's a truth to that or not. But, of course, you can see there's a lot of words there that talked about themselves. Um, if... if before we understand this um, point that the Tower of Babel was built in a wrong path, turn with me a few pages to the left and go to Genesis chapter 9. Because I want you to understand why we see this, it was built in the wrong path. Genesis chapter 9 verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. And the last phrase is a phrase there, and replenish the earth. It seems to me that God commanded them to scatter abroad, right? To scatter abroad. That's God's will for them to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And they said in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, that they will make a city lest they be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So Babel was built in disobedience to God's direct command. Now, if you remember a story in Numbers chapter 21, Brazen Serpent, right in the book of Numbers, the children of Israel spake against, against Moses and God. And as a result, God sent fiery serpents among the Israelites to judge them. And many people died that day, according to the text but god made a way right you know the story his way and what's god's way that the people that got bitten were to look at the serpent of brass for them to live it's just my opinion <laughs> don't take me for that but it's just my opinion and there were still i think there were still people who died during that day because because they refused to follow God's way. God told them just to look. And it's the same with, you know, have faith in Jesus Christ. And they would just still create a new religion. Rejecting God's way. 
Today, many man-made religion profess that they are the true way, the true way. But the Bible is very clear. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It gives us the idea, the exclusivity of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In John 14, 6. There's nothing clear, there's nothing clear as that on, on that kind of truth, right? Also in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, the, the Lord or God told the Israelites, this is the way, walk ye in it. But people, you know, you see, people still say, let us make us, right? So if God is calling people, this is the way, walk ye in it. But still the people in our generation today would say, let us make us. So for me, it doesn't make sense. That's the world we live in today. And I, th I don't think it's getting better. And some religions teach that, that this world gets better and better as the time progresses. But that's not what the Bible says. If you turn with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Beginning from, I will be reading verses 1 to 5. And this is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy. And let's say, for example, 2,000 years, right? Approximately 2,000 years. And this is what he said to Timothy. This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of them, their own selves, covetous. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and thankful and holy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Seems like the author is talking to our present time, isn't it? Our society pushes towards independence from God, denying God's way and promoting man's way. It's something like humanists would do. Humanism, you know humanism, right? And I would like to give you a, not a very depth um, meaning to that. Humanism is simply man's attempt to solve the problem of mankind independent of God. And in fact, one leading humanist said this, and I quote, humanism is a viewpoint that human happiness in its own justification and, re and requires no sanction or support from supernatural sources, end quote. Simply means 
live your life in its fullness with happiness and live, leave God out of it. So as Christians, we should not be ignorant or, nor commit a mistake to take the paths of this world. Another reason why the Project Babel was a monument of self, not only it was built in a wrong path, but also it was built with a wrong purpose. Verse 4, it says there, to make a name of their own. To make a name of their own. Babel is a symbol of men being at the top instead of God himself. And verse 4 tells us that this building project was not intended to make the name of God great, but to make man's name great. And this was their purpose. This was their purpose. They made a city to make themselves a name, to push it further. Making their name great would make them equal with God with God's name, and eventually a life independence from God. And they wanted to have nothing to do with God at all. And I think this, with the passage that tell us, uh, let us, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. They're not foolish, right? You can't build mortar in, with brick to reach the heaven. But basically, it's t- telling to us, that they wanted to get rid of God, putting them themselves at the top. This was their purpose. But what does the Bible says, especially in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ told to his disciples, to pray every day, to pray daily, that the name of God will be lifted up. It's God's name should be lifted, that should be lifted up. It's his name that should be glorified. There's no other name to be lifted up. This is man's purpose, to glorify God in everything that he does. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31, Wherefore, whether therefore ye eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that's our purpose why we, ha- we are here in this earth, to glorify God's name. Isaiah 42, verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Men and women in the Bible who walked in the path of God don't care about their legacy or they don't care about their name, but only God's name to be exalted. Also, men and women in the Bible and those who walk in God's path walked, walks in humility rather than pride. The Bible is very clear that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. But also the Bible says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord 
and he shall lift you up. It is not for you to lift your name so that people will glorify you. God's design and his will that we should walk closely and humbly to him so that he himself will lift you up in his time. Now, there's a comic strip um, called Peanuts. In a comic book, uh, strip, Peanuts, one day Linus is talking things over with Charlie Brown. He explains to him, well, when I get big, I'm going to be a humble, uh, a humble little country doctor. I'll live in the city, and every morning I'll get up, climb into my sports car, and zoom into the country. Then I'll start healing people. I'll help everybody for miles around. Then in the last frame, he winds it up. I'll be a world-famous, humble, little country doctor. Now, the desire to be world-famous and humble seems to be an oxymoron, doesn't it? Right? Well, of course, a person also named Abraham Lincoln. Many of you knows him, right? Of course, I would. In, in his speech made in 1863, 1863, he said to the country of the United States, we have been recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom in virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. Now, if he said this, 1863, in 1863, where do you think North America is at now? You can, you can guess. Oh, don't answer. You don't have to. Well, God wants his people to live not for themselves. That's his will for my life and for your life. He doesn't want you to live for yourself, but to live, you know, all Christians to live their lives for his will, his pleasure, and for his glory. Now, how do these principles relate to us? Well, of course, I would address the unsaved first. If you're not saved, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, or maybe you're watching online, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, my friend, the Bible says you are walking in the wrong path. Wrong path. 
you must turn to God and live for Him. By repenting of your sins and believe in, believe in Jesus Christ that, that He died for your sins, He was buried and rose again the third day. He is alive right now and calling you by name to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. And I challenge to those who have not yet been born again, would you do it tonight? And for us Christians, would you allow God to search our hearts tonight? Ask yourself, I am still walking in the path of God? If you say yes, then God's name is glorified. God's name is glorified. But if you say no, then you need to come back and walk in his paths again. Now, this is one thing that we should be thankful to God. Because if we let our lives be astray and walk in the wrong path, he's not just letting you to be there. He just, he wants you. And because that's his will, he wants you to go back, right? He's calling so also ask yourself, is there any monument of self in me? A project babble in my life. Who is glorified with the career that I have or you have? Now, I'm not saying that only in the full-time service you can glorify God. I'm not saying that at all. Because God called us in different ways of, or of life that you can glorify him and his will should be done in us and through us now who is glorified in your plans of your life right now or in the job where you at or even the pursuits in life whose monument you are building is it god's name or your name so you see we often build monuments uh, people always do this to to ourselves, all of us. You know, we have expensive clothes, big house, fancy car, important job that we have. God has blessed us with these things, and it's good, right? We are so thankful to God with all the things that we, we receive from God. Not only we accept from God the things that we need, but also the things sometimes, that all the things that we want, in, in our lives. And they are not evil per se. But when we use them to give us identity and self-worth, I mean, they, they take God's place in our lives, right? They take God's place in our life. Now, don't measure your success by the things you have here on earth. Don't. Because God will measure us based upon how we live our lives for Him. That's how God will, will um, measure us. You know, our, our selfish investments here on earth will mean nothing, right? Because literally we all know that all that we have, we will leave here in this earth. And what we have when we face God face to face, it are the things that we did for Him and for His glory. However, a life that is poured out and spent for God has eternal value. 
And let, and let me say this, no man, no man can ever take that away from you. That's the promise of God, and we will receive rewards. Now, the question now is that how can I glorify God in my life? Well, how, or how can I put God to where he belongs in my life? Now, here are practical ways, and I try to make it really more practical in the things that we do in our life. Pray that God will help you glorify his name. Because honestly, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will not seek to glorify God's name. So asking, give, giving us every day, praying to God every day to help us glorify His name every day would really make a difference. Read God's Word daily because our faith will be increased as we read God's Word every day. When people ask you about your weekend, tell them not because of basketball, because it's game three tonight, but... Tell them what you've experienced this Sunday, especially the preaching that you have heard. When you eat in public, pray before you eat. And also be faithful in your church attendance and giving. Come and help our fire brigade ministry on Saturdays. Support our Bible college. We're, uh, you know, many of you provide lunch. Uh, give financial support, sending your grown children even, you know, for one year. Those are good things in the, in the sight of God. And, and lastly, find a ministry. Find a ministry in the church and commit yourself. Not just to do it occasionally, but commit yourself to that ministry. And so, let me close this. Let's learn from the mistake of Babel. And let's always build monuments to God, not to ourselves. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.